Hello. Welcome to another moment with Eric Fleming. I am your host, Eric Fleming. Um, and today on the show, um, I'm just going to talk today. Um, I know when I originally started this podcast, it was an effort to basically get out my feelings about what was happening in the country, especially with Donald Trump as president. And if you go back to those uh, initial podcasts, those initial episodes, the basic concern I had was here was a guy who had been given an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, regardless of how you personally feel about him or whatever, he's given an opportunity of a lifetime to do something that 44 other men, really 43 other men had. And that was to move the country forward and to build upon what previous administrations had done, what previous terms of Congress had done, even previous terms of the Supreme Court. And take the United States to yet another level. Um, we have seen throughout the history of this country, black people become full citizens of the United States. Uh, despite being initially viewed as chattel or three-fifths of a man, or three-fifths of a human. And because of the progress that had been made, um, I'm able to do a podcast. I was able to be an elected official. Black men and women throughout the country have been elected. Black men and women have the opportunity every election to vote. Uh, institutions like the military, public schools, even public transportation are no longer segregated by law. Uh, I've literally seen a suburb that was majority white when I was born become majority black. Um, and that's due to laws that were created to rectify housing discrimination. So when you're given an opportunity to take 
all of that progress. And I, I haven't, and I didn't talk about anybody else, any other groups, but I'm, I'm a black man. So I'm gonna talk about black folks. Right. And I, and I'm not going to be apologetic about that, but I do want people to understand that I'm sensitive to other struggles because equality and equity is something that every American should have access to, period. But just from a black context, we've seen a lot and we demand more each and every day. We're, you, you know, now we're in a unique situation where we are legitimately having debates about how we use our political power. Um, should we continue to just vote strictly democratic or should we divide our vote or uh, how to strategically do all that, right? How to leverage our position. But in came a guy uh, purported to be a billionaire. And all of that is questionable now, thanks to legal investigations and so on. But a wealthy man, let's put it that way, given a position to do some good. And we've had that before. And to me, in spite of some things that happened, he squandered that opportunity. Not only did he squandered it, did he squander it, but he made it worse. Example number one is Liz Cheney. Now, for those of us who understand the Cheney name and the Cheney brand and understand history in America, Liz Cheney was not a liberal and is never going to be a liberal or a progressive. She is a diehard conservative and policies that she supports or has supported have been vigorously argued against by people like me uh, and, and others who are on the other side of the political spectrum. You can call us liberals, progressives, Democrats, whatever label you want to put on us. We've been opposed to a lot of stuff she's pushed. And she voted 93% of the time with the previous president. So you would think, and she was a member of Congress, and you would think that being an incumbent in a state like Wyoming, which is Republican to the core, 
all 300,000 voters or population, wherever it is. Uh, it's outside of Jackson, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, I guess it's the only blue spot in Wyoming. And that's kind of an interesting history behind that. But um, he figured she was safe. But because Donald Trump turned the opportunity of lifetime into a vanity session, he basically got a person who voted with him 93% of the time unelected. And it was because she had the nerve to call him out on the carpet for his mistakes. Now in politics, you, you gain friends and you gain enemies, right? And so, you know, I mean, I've, I've had people who supported me and because I voted a certain way on an issue, supported my opponents. That's how it goes. And if this was strictly about a particular policy that Donald Trump pushed and she didn't support it, one of the few times she wouldn't, okay. But Donald Trump, because he turned it into a vanity session, basically has set a path to see American democracy destroyed. And there's some black people who are like, okay, cool. No, it's not cool. American democracy is the only form of democracy where you could go from chattel and three-fifths of human to being a full citizen. Because we had people smart enough and capable enough to make the arguments, whether it was in the public arena or in the judicial arena, to craft policies and to get decisions to elevate us to this point. And we're not just talking about the Thurgood Marshalls and the Martin Luther Kings. We're talking about people like Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker and all these, Bayard Rustin, all these people who were grassroots organizers who stepped up in moments to get people to participate in the process, to demand our rightful place. Um, they just put a statue up of a woman who in 1773 walked to a lawyer's office and said, I want my freedom. And that lawyer successfully got it for her. 1773. So it's because of American democracy that we are here and we are able to demand more and expect more. So Donald Trump, despite whatever he touts as far as low black unemployment and 
any other, you know, criminal justice things that he might claim. And rightfully so, because he was president when those things happened. His narcissism is threatening our existence. Let me repeat that. His narcissism is threatening our existence. He has activated people who for a number of years had been relegated to the backwoods and the shadows of American society and has perpetuated these people now where we literally have to talk about them in the mainstream media, on social media, any other media that you could have. They've got their own networks. They've got their own podcast and they're bold about who they are. And it's because these people, for whatever reason, have utilized Donald Trump's narcissism to come after us and anybody else who opposes them. So I don't have a problem with black people being Republican. I do have a problem with black people apologizing for Donald Trump and denying that there's this institutional form of racism called white supremacy that's out there. And that there are politicians who feed off of that. And they've done it for years. One time it was the Democrats, now it's the Republicans. But they feed off of that. Instead of trying to quash it, they use it to gain power. And Donald Trump's narcissism has created this black hole to bring them all in. And these people have guns and these people have voices and these people have temerity and tenacity and gumption that 20, 30 years ago, maybe they didn't have, or if they did, they did it behind the scenes. It was our job to call them out. Now we don't have to call them out. They're out here. Let me give you an example. There's a group. There's this guy. He was a sheriff named Richard Mack. And I forget what state county he's from. Whatever. Because wherever he's from, he's not there now. He's based in Arizona. But he was a sheriff that filed a lawsuit on behalf of the NRA. He was a plaintiff in a lawsuit um, that challenged the Brady Bill. And the Brady Bill basically was 
until background checks could be established, a national background check could be established. It asked for local law enforcement to handle the role of checking people, checking people's backgrounds to make sure that they could purchase a gun. Well, Mac, being the sheriff and proud NRA member, decided he wasn't going to enforce that. So he took it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled that that was unconstitutional. So that emboldened Mac to make a statement and, and issue a philosophy that sheriffs have more authority than the federal government. And he created an organization. Now the organization has, according to them, 4,500 members. And out of those 4,500 members, 300 of them are actually elected sheriffs in this country. Out of, say, 3,000 elected sheriffs. So you're talking about 10% of the sheriffs in this country think that they are the high sheriff in the nation. Not the high sheriff in their state or whatever, in their nation. They actually, there's 10% of the sheriffs that are elected right now that actually believe that their authority is more than the U.S. Constitution. Some of these folks might be on the ballot this year. And if you're black and you live in one of those counties, doesn't matter if y'all don't make up a majority or whatever. You need to send a message that these people don't need to be sheriffs. No elected official, for the record, no elected official is higher than the United States Constitution. Not one. But because Donald Trump thinks that, it opens the door for people like Richard Mack and others. Oh, by the way, Richard Mack is a member of this Oath Keepers group, part of the group that stormed the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th, that organized it, along with the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters, whatever. Right? So, again, that narcissism opened the door for these people. And it's going to cost the Republicans. It's going to cost them. Uh, as we go state by state, they have control of 36 legislatures. And based on gerrymandering and all that stuff, they may keep those 36 states. All of them. But it's not the Republicans that some of us grew up with. It's not the Gerald Fords. It's not the Nelson Rockefellers. It's not the John Lindsay's. It's these really, really 
and I don't want to use the term radical Republicans, because when you think of radical Republicans, you think of Stadia Stevens and all those folks who are fighting for black folks' freedom, right? At least to end slavery, if nothing else. So I don't really want to call them radical Republicans. That would be an insult to the Republicans who actually tried to keep the country united during the Civil War and thereafter. What I would call them is militant Republicans, I guess. Uh, Fringe Republicans. You know, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Lauren Bobards, the Gosars and Gomers and whatever other, the the, the boy from Kansas or Missouri, whatever's name, Holly. Um, those guys. I don't count count Ted Cruz in that because Ted Cruz is just he just goes with the flow. Same with Rubio, they just go with the flow. They don't have any courage. So they, they're kind of political chameleons. They'll just camouflage themselves and envelop whatever they think will get them elected. But the true believers, <laughs> this guy Hike in Georgia, and I, you know, thank God I don't think he's, one of them is not going to be in Congress. I think Hike ran for Secretary of State, so I don't think he's going to be in Congress anymore. But there's another one up there who thought they were tourists, right? Thought the January 6th was a tourist trip, whatever. These people now are invading the spaces of these majority Republican legislatures. And now we're finding out we've got elected sheriffs that buy into that. We probably got city council people. You got organizations to take over school boards. All this stuff is a threat to black people. Now, there are some black people like Elder and Owens and a few others who don't think that, who are these deniers of what's in our face. And again, black conservatism is not a problem. Black deniers who are, right? That's a disservice to us. I think you can be a conservative and I think I've proven that with just the last broadcast. You can be a conservative and not worship at Donald Trump's feet. Now, based on Liz Cheney's results, you may not win an election, but you are free to be who you are and fight for the best interests of black people in that space. Just like you as a liberal or a moderate, if you're black and you're fighting for the best interests of black people, you have that space to do that. But there's no room anymore Well, I shouldn't say there's no room because they're kind of forcing their dynamic. There shouldn't be any patience for people that want to dismantle American democracy anymore. 
because if we don't have American democracy anymore, then if you think it's bad for black people now, it's going to get worse. Because in an authoritarian government, the authority can basically try to eliminate anyone they don't seem fit. And if you don't buy what I'm saying, get a book and study these people. There's there's a museum in Atlanta, the Civil Rights Museum. They have a whole wall of all these authoritarian leaders, Black, white, Asian, Latino, throughout the world. And the millions of people that have died under their rule. is a reminder that we as Americans should never get to that point ever. And I don't care which attorney does it, <laughs> whether it's Attorney General Garland or District Attorney Willis, we gotta get Donald Trump off of the script. We gotta get him behind bars and see if he can lead a movement from jail. Some people think he can. I don't think he can. And I think that the sooner we get that done, the sooner we can start trying to reclaim our country back. Now, people are afraid that these folks are going to do something crazy. Well, okay. They're not going to be successful. Because now, because the authorities are going after their leader, that means that those people who historically have done things to black folks are not going to do it to them. You want to go after the FBI? Okay. You want to go after the U.S. military? Okay. Good luck with that especially with your leader behind bars, right? Now, there are some people say he can run for president from behind bars. Great, knock yourself out. I've, I've seen that happen. History has been worn out. Those people never won, but they, they ran, okay? You wanna waste your time voting for somebody in jail? Fine. But black people, need to understand. And there are a lot of black people that defend Trump. Don't get it twisted. It's a lot of them. Not the majority, but a lot of them. Enough to be a concern. Here's all I'll say to you. Let him go. He was a candidate he won, he served, he's out. In American democracy, that's how that works. Everybody that lost can claim, oh, the election was rigged, it was that. Let those sour grapes go, throw those away and focus on what you can do with your platform, with your agenda, with your ideas to uplift black people. Stop toting this white man up. 
as the great sun king, God, whatever high elevation, let him go. He's a man. But an idea is powerful. And the ideal of America being a democracy should be more important than any human being ever, especially with us. Because if we don't embrace how to utilize American democracy to our advantage, such as other groups have, we're going to be in more trouble. We have shown other people how to do it. Now we need to take it to another level. And we need to disassociate ourselves with narcissists and fanatics and crazy people and focus in on helping each other. I'll catch y'all on the other side. So we're back. So building on that part about black folks helping themselves, right? I really, really strongly encourage black Democrats, black Republicans, black independents to vote for the people in their respective states and other jurisdictions. Uh, to vote for people that are going to do right by us. Because history has shown that if you do right by Black people, you're doing right for the masses. So many people have benefited from the fights that we have waged for human rights in the United States. And a lot of our strategies, judicial arguments, the whole works, speeches, people have utilized what we have. And we shouldn't be jealous of that. We, we should take that as a compliment of our contribution. When people talk about black people's contribution in culture. People talk about our contributions in sports. We need to understand our contribution in the political landscape as well, in the formation of this nation, not just the slavery aspect, not just the building of wealth, but our contribution to make this society more just, more fair, more equal, more equitable. We've done a lot and we can do more, but we have to be engaged. So again, my appeal to those who got into the Republican party or got into conservative thinking because of Donald Trump. And I should just start calling him the Don, right? It's, you know, because the way that he's conducting all of this, 
Just watch The Godfather. Just watch any gangster movie, you know, Goodfellas, whatever, and just watch this guy. Look at the history of, of organized crime, as they call it, in the United States, and look at Donald Trump's behavior. I mean, it is what it is, right? And if you support him blindly, that's on you. But no man is ever worth that. No man. No man other than Jesus Christ. And in some faiths, you might want to say Muhammad. In some faiths, you want to say Abraham. That's fine. But no man that's currently on the face of this earth is worth that kind of adulation and praise. No man. And especially one as flawed as him. And it hurts me when I see black people defend this guy. I get it when he was president, if you're a conservative. I get it. You you were pushing policies and he was the guy that could make those policies happen. Okay. Just like Democrats support Biden and what he's trying to do. I get that part. But this loyalty to this guy who does not give a damn about anybody else, anybody else. People say, well, he cares about his family. No, he doesn't. He doesn't care about anybody but who he sees in the mirror. Period. And for us to move forward as a nation, we've got to accept that fact. We live our lives. We do what we're supposed to do, you know, but politically we've handy, we've, we've given ourselves a handicap by continuing to keep this man in the forefront of our discussions. I mean, a former president about to be indicted. Yeah, that's newsworthy, I guess, but The the day the dayfying of this guy, the the pedestal that we put him on. It's not healthy. But I do want people to participate in the process. And so that's my appeal is that let's focus in now on 2022 on November. Uh, and let's 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 focus in on uplifting us. We may disagree on how to do that, but that Trump guy shouldn't be in the equation because what he's done is created. If if people believe sincerely believe that there's no institutional racism in the United States, then what he's done is giving people the gumption to try to make that happen. (laughs) There are people who believe that there should be institutional racism, that there should be white supremacy that are engaged now. And we need to do everything we can to suppress that in all of our circles, not just the conservative circles, all of our circles. Because as I've pointed out before, 
racism takes different forms. There's the in-your-face kind of racism, and then there's the subtle stuff. And then there's what I call the patriarchal, where a group of white folks basically tell black folks, this is in your this is what is in your best interest. And this is what we're going to do. Trust us. And our agenda has always been, we know what's in our best interest. We need you to execute what we want. Now we can have debates about, you know, nuances. And if this part is really good and that part's really bad, But to be a people that believe in self-determination, we should dictate what we want. And let's deal with feasibility when we're at the table. But you can't tell us what's best for us. Only black people can tell you what's best for black people because we're black people. We're African-Americans. We live here. We have a political say-so. And we, and in order to make sure that we're at the table, we've got to participate in the process. I mean, we got folks out here like this DeSantis guy in Florida. Now, Ron DeSantis was a congressman who got elected governor of Florida. His first commercial literally was his child spelling out Donald Trump's name on blots. When I first saw the commercial, and you've probably heard me say this before, when I first saw the commercial, I literally thought it was a skit from Saturday Night Live that they were showing. This was actual commercial. And he won. He won the election. Florida's had their issues as far as voter suppression and all that stuff. So he won. And now that he's won, he's he's creating all of these, he's he's pushing all of these bills to stop black history from being taught. Or more correctly, American history to be taught. And anything that's negative toward white people cannot be spoken in a Florida classroom. That's essence what it is. Anything that's that shows oppressive American society which America was. Anytime that you relegate a group of human beings as three-fifths of a human, that's oppressive. Anytime you relegate them to being chattel property, that's oppressive. But you don't want to talk about that because you don't want to hurt people's feelings, specifically white people. That's wrong. History is history. You're supposed to learn from that and not do that again. Period. What happened, happened. And if you want to make the argument that we're not institutionally racist anymore, then prove it by not voting for people like this guy ever again.
right? Not supporting people who don't want to teach history so that we can learn and not make those same mistakes. How we can prove that we have evolved. Who actually believe American democracy gives everybody an opportunity and not just a privileged few. Those people don't need to be in elective office, and we have that right to do that. Now, a poll was just recently done that says 61% of Americans are willing to go out and protest on an issue. 61%. When was the last time we had a presidential election that was 61%? Even better, when have we last time had a gubernatorial election? that had 61% turnout, or even better, a mayoral election, a state legislative election. If we could get 61% to show up, 61% of registered voters to show up in every county, in every city, in every state, throughout this nation, if we get 61% to show up, we could change the dynamics of this nation to one that's more tolerant, to one that's more progressive. And there's some people that argue that progressive is not necessarily good, but moving forward is always good. Stepping back is always bad. That's my opinion. People can identify who they are but their policies dictate what they are, right? But in the term of the word, progress, that's what we want. We want to get better every day. We want to get better every year. We want to get better every election. We want to get to the ideal of what America stands for. We want to get there. We should, if we don't, if the, if the majority does, I think. But the majority doesn't vote. They'll protest, but they don't vote. There's a sister on TV now that's got her own show. She used to be uh, Simone Sanders, used to be Bernie Sanders' spokesperson and and she worked for the White House for a minute under the Biden administration. Now she's got her own show. And she says in her commercial, protest is fine, but it doesn't mean nothing if you don't vote. And she's right. It's all right if 61% of Americans feel compelled to get out and protest something. That's great. That's part of the American democracy experiment. Freedom of expression which we're basically in a war now to even have that. When you have people like DeSantis saying what you can teach in a classroom, what books you can read, that's a war in expression. So I'm glad that there are majority of Americans believe that they should protest things like that. But the ultimate form of protest, the ultimate form of showing consent or dissent in the United States 
is voting. Whenever that election day shows up, you need to know. And again, as I've stated before, you don't have to be a political junkie like me. You don't have to be a a wonk like me. But do know, especially black folks, do know who's on your side and who's not. And vote for that person. And there are people who argue, well, Donald Trump was on our side. No, he wasn't. He's on nobody's side, but he is. He doesn't care about anybody but him. And people, there's a lot of people on the extreme on both sides that really are not in our best interest because they're extreme, right? Now, I'm of the old adage that a broken clock tells the time at least twice a day. So in a lot of the rhetoric that's out there, you're going to hear a good idea come out. Run with the good idea. Leave the crazy stuff alone, right? Let it go. Right. And always be in a position that when somebody tries to say that something is crazy, make an intelligent argument for it. And let's see if we can work with it. But don't just dismiss everybody that disagrees with you. It's not healthy on a lot of things, but. If we get 61% of every state's electorate to participate in an election, you'll see change. The lady who's running for governor in Georgia, Stacey Abrams, has made an appeal. My friend Ben Jealous has also made an appeal. It's made it a crusade for this election to get black men to vote. Polling data for Ms. Abrams shows that over 90%, I think close to 97% of black women are supporting her. But she only got 88%. Well, that might be a messaging issue on that. But it also is a concern that of all those people who say they're going to support her, are they going to actually come out and vote? Because a lot of the people, the the few percentage of women and the significant percentage of men who said they're not going to support her are probably not voting at all. And that's where the challenge is. We've seen that the most powerful demographic, especially in Democratic votes, has been Black women. But Black men should be in that conversation as well. Black men should be voting just as vigorously as Black women. Now, if we got to a situation where Black men and Black women were evenly dividing their votes, then it would make both parties try to address issues in the black community. I get that argument. 
But where we are right now, where we have a party that's catering to the worst elements of our nation and not taking the positive arguments of conservatism and putting them out in the forefront, instead they're using the worst elements. If your if your next presidential nominee, your star of the show, is is practicing fascism, that's not the best element of conservatism. It's not. I'm just gonna lay it out there, let y'all marinate on that. Fascism is not conservatism. It's not. People need to express themselves. People need to be exposed to things so they can make determinations on what they do. All this other stuff, these extreme things. If we can just agree to be tolerant, then we can deal with extremes. I know that that seems hard for some people because they feel they surrendering some kind of belief or concept. But if you tolerate things, if you tolerate somebody in their space, when they come at you a certain way, if you disagree with something extreme that they say, they'll take it more positive because they know that you accept them in their space. But if you totally disrespect them, if you totally discard them, which is the way black people felt for a long time in this nation and to an extent still do, then they're not going to receive whatever criticism you have, right? For example, when you have people, whether they're black or white, want to stress black on black crime over white police officers killing unarmed black people and say, well, it's an either or, you need to be more focused on this than that. That's crazy. Black people should not be killing black people and white police officers should not be killing black people, period. Because in the end, black people are dying. So both of them are bad. And I have said before, and I'll say it again and again and again, it doesn't matter if you're with the Klan or with any one of these street gangs that are out here. If you are killing black people, if you are trying to destroy black lives, you're in the same boat as far as I'm concerned. You're no different. Neither one of you should be showing up saying black lives matter when your whole existence is destroying black lives. So let's get that out there, <laughs> right? Don't come to me. <sighs> just, just understand that, right? And don't, you know, you, you can't make these false arguments. It's one or the other. I can express the disdain I have for Darren Clark choking out with his knee 
George Floyd and still be upset that black people praying on a street corner in Chicago getting shot at. I can have the stain for both of those. And I can equally use my platform to denounce both of those. It's not an either or for me. And we need to get away from that game, especially black voices. Our job is to uplift black people, period. We don't, we don't try to tip the scale one or the other. We go after both. And we have the temerity and the tenacity and the ability to do that. And we need to stop conserving energy on one to put energy on the other. We've got to stop both, right? We do that by putting people in office to express that concern and to do something policy-wise towards that. And we also need to get into our communities and start talking to people, especially young people, about the value of black lives. Because no matter what you think of the people who put the organization together and threw the, the, the words out there, the concept that a life, especially mine, especially any other black person's should matter is legitimate. Don't say all lives matter to counter black lives matter. Show that all lives matter, especially black lives by implementing policies that'll make everybody's life better. And our job as voters is to make sure you register to vote and then make sure that you do go vote. And if things don't go the way that you want it, then you use the manner of protest, use the manner of showing up at the Capitol building and, 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 and whatever, right? Not in the way that they did on January the 6th. But sure. And respond to people. You see, like this guy, this is this guy from Louisville, Illinois, this southern Illinois town running for governor, who basically says Chicago's a hellhole. He introduced legislation to secede Illinois from Chicago, right? Because you really can't tell Chicago to succeed from Illinois. So basically his legislation was that Illinois should succeed from Chicago. Well, that would make it great for him politically because Chicago's basically a majority of the vote in the state, or a good portion of it if it's not, at least 40% for sure at the minimum, right? That would give him a good chance to win, but reality is it's not gonna happen. And he calls Chicago a hellhole and all this stuff. Well, the people of Chicago, especially the black people in Chicago and the black people in Centralia and Carbondale and Peoria and Champaign need to show solidarity and make sure this guy doesn't get to be governor because he does not care about black people. I don't know how many black, I, or let me put it this way. 
Louisville has less than 1% black people in the town. So he doesn't care about black people because he barely knows any. And he's a farmer, so probably doesn't know a whole lot of people. The town only has got like a thousand folks. Although there was one person that did get elected governor from that town. <laughs> but that was like in the 1890s or something like that. Anyway, that's how we stop people like that. By voting. If you are not cool with living in a state where everybody can have a gun walking around, you vote that person out. If you're not cool with a governor that basically wants to tell you what curriculum you can study and what books you can read, vote them out. If you don't want a governor that responds to tragedies with a joke, vote them out. Don't sit on your hands and say, ain't nothing I can do when you can. And even if you don't like the person in the other party that's opposing them, if you think that they are slightly better than the other person, there we go with the lesser two evils. I hear you. Write in a candidate, but show up. Show up. I think the alternatives to the candidates that I've kind of vaguely referenced are better. And we have black people that have an opportunity to get into positions like governor and U.S. Senate and Congress. That you definitely can hold their feet to the fire. Even the black Republicans. You've got to show up and you've got to demand of them. Hey, look, I get it. This is where you are politically, but this is where we are. And we've, we've got to make our voices heard. We can't sit this one out. We can't. We can't sit it out. So... I just wanted to get that off my chest today. And I hope that y'all take it to heart. And I hope that you get up, get out and vote. Until next time.